James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, when you, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated. In February of 1968, two months before his assassination, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. preached a sermon entitled The Drum Major Instinct. He preached it from the pulpit of Ebenezer Baptist Church. Parts of that sermon were later played on television for his funeral service. And if you search the web and you look for Drum Major Instinct, you'll find page after page of links taking you to uh, portions of that sermon and attributing it to Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. The problem is Dr. King didn't write that sermon. He didn't. He plagiarized 95% of it the bulk of it, like he did most of his famous speeches. The drum major instinct was originally preached in 1952 by J. Wallace Hamilton, a renowned white Methodist minister who later published it in a sermon collection under his name. It isn't the first time that King used and took credit for Hamilton's work. He did it with some regularity. Why? I don't know, maybe because he felt enormous pressure to be this amazing orator when he wasn't an amazing orator. In fact, people in King's home congregation said he was a pretty unremarkable preacher. J. Wallace Hamilton called it the drum major instinct. It's the desire to be out front, to be leading the parade, to be important, to be noticed to be admired. It's the instinct that was driving James and John when they took Jesus aside and asked him to give them the places of honor, the places of power, the places of the top officials when Jesus establishes his kingdom. 
Let us sit, they said, one at your right hand and one at your left when you come into your glory. Which didn't make the other apostles any too happy when they heard about it. It's easy to criticize James and John for that. It's easy to criticize Dr. King, but we all have this drum major instinct in us. We all do. We all like recognition. We like to be admired. We like to feel important. We like to feel well-connected to other important people. It's why we name drop and cozy up to celebrities and to power. It's why we pay attention to our attire and primp endlessly in front of mirrors. The drum major instinct is the reason we might get our britches in a twist if our name isn't printed and spelled correctly in a publication. Or why people drop out of the church in a huff when they don't feel like they've been recognized enough or don't receive enough personal attention. Where is the spotlight, we ask, and we want to put ourselves in it. Even the most shy and reserved among us really want to be admired, even if maybe they don't want to do it on center stage. This desire to be superior, to be at the head of the line, to be first is hardwired into us as human beings. It's part of our DNA, this instinct. It is the source of every kind of prejudice. It's the source of most offenses we take but we don't have to follow our basest impulses. We aren't driven just by our instincts in life. We have the ability to reason and to choose the path that we will take. So Jesus responds to James and John's request for the top places in the kingdom by saying those aren't his to give to them. They're reserved for whomever God has prepared them for. When the other apostles hear they get mad. I would too. You know, who are you to try to get the top spot? I was kind of planning on that. So Jesus calls them all to him and he says to them, you know, you know, y'all are acting like the Gentiles. You know how it is with the Gentiles. You know, by the way, we're all the Gentiles and they were a little Jewish group. But he says, you know, the Gentiles, those Romans, they recognize, you know, as their rulers, those rulers lord it over them and are tyrants over them. But it's not supposed to be that way among us. Whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be the first among you must be the slave of everybody. For the Son of Man came not to serve, be served, but to serve and to give his life. Pour out his life as a ransom for many. They aren't rebuked for their ambition. They're just educated. Jesus tells them if they want to be great, well, then the way to be great, to achieve greatness, is through humility and service. In the words of King, Jesus reorders their priorities. He tells us, keep on feeling the need for being first. Keep on, but I want you to be first in love. In another book, What About Tomorrow?, J. Wallace Hamilton tells a story about it, what it might look like to be first in love. He tells this story. 
He says, one summer, a Baptist minister, Dr. Gordon Tongerson, Torgerson, I'm sorry, Dr. Gordon Torgerson sailed across the Atlantic Ocean. And on the ship, he notices a man who's sitting there on a bench or in a deck chair, and he's, this man is reading his Bible. So Dr. Torgerson sits down beside the man, and he says to him, you know, forgive my curiosity, but I'm a Baptist minister, and uh, you must be a Christian, and I'm, I'm wondering how you came to be that. How did it happen? Yes, the man said, and he sets his Bible aside. I'm very glad to talk about that. I'm a Filipino. I was born in a good Catholic home in the Philippines, he says. But some years ago, I came to the United States to study law. My first night on campus, he says, a student came up to see me, and he said to me, I've come to welcome you to the campus and to say that if there's anything I can do to make your stay here more pleasant, I hope you'll call on me. And then the gentleman said he asked me where I go to church. And I told him I was a Catholic. And he said, well, I can tell you where the Catholic church is, but it's not easy to find and it's quite a long distance away. Let me make a map. So he drew a map to show this gentleman where the Catholic Church was, and he gave it to him, and he left. The man said, when I awakened on Sunday morning, it was pouring rain, and I thought to myself, I'll just not go to church today. I'll, I'll get some more sleep. Then there was a knock on the door, and when I opened it, there stood the student, his raincoat was just dripping wet. Water was sheeting off of him. And on his arm were hanging two umbrellas. And he said, I thought you might have a hard time finding your church in the rain. So I will walk along with you and show you the way. And as we walked along in the rain, the gentleman said, under those two umbrellas, I asked him, where do you go to church? And he said, oh, I go to a church right around the corner. And I said, suppose we go to your church today, and we'll go to my church next Sunday. So I went to his church, and I've never been back to mine, he said. And after four years, I felt it was not the law for me, but ministry. So I went to Drew Seminary, and I was ordained a Methodist minister, and received an appointment to the Methodist Church in the Philippines, and my name is Valencius, and I'm Bishop Valencius, Bishop of the Methodist Church of the Philippines. The most important person in that story is not Dr. Torgerson, nor is it Bishop Valencius. The greatest person in that story is the young student with the two umbrellas. And we don't even know his name. Go on trying to be first, Dr. King preached. Let the drum major instinct drive you. But let it be said that you were first in love, first in generosity, first in peace.